1059 The Region, in partnership with REMAX Prime Properties, present On the Market, real estate advice that works for you. Have a real estate question? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059 The Region or email us at info at 1059theregion.com. You're listening to 105.9 The Region, and welcome to On The Market. This is York Region's exclusive radio real estate show. I'm station manager Tina Cortez, and my co-host and real estate expert is Asif Khan with REMAX Prime Properties. Good morning, Asif. Good morning, Tina. Well, here we are, the end of February, practically. What did uh, sales look like this month? You know, sales have been pretty brisk across the region, and, and that's a trend that's continuing through the start of the year. So January, as we talked about last week, was a pretty hot month for sales, and February's continuing in those footsteps. So even with the nasty weather and everything that we had, Tina, we're still on pace to be roughly around where we were last February, and that's pretty good because last February, our, we had great weather. Mm-hmm. It was almost like an early spring. Right. So to be right in that range, it's still going to put us ahead for the first two months of 2019. We're going to be ahead of the first two months of 2018, and I don't think anyone really saw that coming. We knew there was a lot of pent-up demand, and people were coming off of that fence, but the way that 2019 has started off has caught a lot of people off guard. Do you want to talk about specific numbers? Specific numbers, if we're, if we're looking at sales for the, the first uh, three weeks of February, we're looking at about 500-odd sales. And that compared to last year where we did about 800 sales, we still have a good week of solid sales left. And we've seen people coming off that fence. So if you look at inventory levels, they're starting to come down. If you look at what's available... It's also like there's not a lot of really good homes that are available right now. So people are starting to get into the multiple offer phenomenon again. And and that's going to push prices up. And it's something that we've been talking about on this show since October, November, because we saw inventory levels starting to come down. And we're going to start to see more of that. Is there an area here in the region that is hotter than another? You know, if you look at the, the big four, so Markham. Vaughn, Richmond Hill, and you could even throw in Aurora into that mix. They they continue to be strong, and our region depends on the strength of those four areas because when Markham and Richmond Hill and Vaughn are going, Aurora, Aurora Newmarket kind of flip-flop, but when they're going, you see a lot of, of activity within the region because once those areas get hot, they push to all the other surrounding areas. So Stouffville picks up, King picks up, Georgina picks up. And it's great to see the strength in those areas right now. And the strength is coming from what type of property? It's high density. So there's not a lot of single detached sales. But when you look at townhouses, semis, even condos, they're really hot. And if you think condo sales, where are all the condos in New York Region? They're at Markham, Richmond Hill, and Vaughan. So that's fueling the strength of those areas right now. And if we look at those condo sales, is the price going up? The price is going up. And condos have shown the highest percentage price growth over the last couple of years. And that's continuing. It continues. And we're even seeing people buying, you know, uh, reselling condos that they've purchased, you know, two years, three years ago. And we'll get into assignment sales a little bit on, later on in the show as well. But we're starting to see people buy condos from people that have already purchased them. So they're assigning their contracts to new purchasers because there's such a shortage of condos. Now, you also wanted to address this new report from TREB, the Toronto Real Estate Board. 
I did. And, you know, it's, it's interesting as to what their, what their outlook is for the future as well. And, and when you take into consideration, you know, the, the Metrolinks projects and everything that's happening within the region for transit, you know, the subways coming in, we're looking at pretty solid growth outlook for the future. And what else are they saying? What do they see in terms of real estate? You know, they're saying that the young professional, their income is about $75,000. They they have uh, a reduction from an average of one car to zero cars because they're relying on transit. They're also reducing their needs from two bedrooms to a one bedroom or one plus one condo. And then you look at the family. So the, the average family income is $120,000. And they're also going from a two-car household to a one-car household. They're going from, you know, a detached home to maybe a two-bedroom condo. So these are these are things that we're looking at and and kind of targeting to say where are these where are the hot spots going to be. And if you look at that, you know, there are going to be condos or there are going to be the smaller homes because people don't want the the burden of having to maintain the larger homes anymore. It's it's more of a lifestyle choice now. And that's what, you know, you're observing from that report. Do you see that trend, um, you know, going into the region as well? Because that seems to be a very Toronto-centric kind of outlook. What do you think about here in the region? It really is. It, it And when you look at these numbers and the reason that they were evaluating them is, is trying to show people what their savings would be. So, you know, for the young professionals that are going from, the two-bedroom condo to the one-bedroom condo or the family that's going from the detached home to a two-bedroom condo. For the young professionals, they're projecting a savings of 10 to 11%. For the family, they're saying you could save 40 to 45% by moving to that condo instead of a detached home. This is significant because there's a lot of talk about what people can afford and where we're going with this. But these simple little lifestyle choices and and also choices that are going to make you enjoy life more because now you're not house poor. You're able to go out to that movie or, or out to dinner because you're saving a significant amount by making these lifestyle choices. Well, yeah, that's exactly it. You're talking about double-digit savings here. That's that's quite uh, significant. That's true, even when you're looking at retire, uh, the retired people. So our region has a lot of, uh, aging population. And when we look at that and, and you're looking at their income, so an average retiree makes about $25,000 a year. If they're moving from a detached home, which they've grown up in and everything, and they go to a one bedroom condo, they're able to save about 50 to 56%. So that's huge. Wow. So how's that for, you know, being able to enjoy the money that you have and not worry about spending it all on maintenance or, you know, as you get older, you're not out there cutting the grass or shoveling the snow. So these are all services that you have to consider. So moving into that condo, that's a huge savings. Asa, for our listeners who want to dig a little deeper into that report, uh, where can they go? They can give me a call at... 416-985-5426. That's 416-985-CON. There's a lot of specifics in here that I can kind of navigate them through and show them what that means for them specifically. So that would be a, a great opportunity for them to learn a little bit more about their area and also what it means for their demographic. All right. When we come back, expert advice from a real estate lawyer. Stay with us. You're listening to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. 
Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. You're listening to 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's only radio real estate show. I'm station manager Tina Cortez, and my co-host is Asif Khan with Remax Prime Properties. Thank you, Tina. Joining us next is Ricky Rathor. Ricky is an owner at Remax Empire and also principal owner at Rathor Beg Law Firm. Ricky, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. Ricky, the hot topic right now with inventory shrinking seems to be assignments. There's so many people looking to assign their properties or even purchase assignment properties. Maybe take us through, first of all, what an assignment is and how people can move forward with that. Absolutely. So assignments absolutely are a hot topic right now. Uh, In essence, what you've got is somebody who's entered into a contract. When you sign a contract, you're doing two things. You're creating rights and obligations enforceable in a court of law. And by virtue of an assignment, you've got one party that's trying to step out of the contract and have somebody step into their shoes by definition. And and what does that entail? So suppose I've purchased a condo three years ago and it's two years in, it's almost ready. And I say, you know what, I don't have enough money to close on this condo or, you know, I just want to cash out and take my money and put it elsewhere. What's the next step? So absolutely, you're exactly right. So some people don't have the money they need out of the contract. They need to, to, to make sure that they don't get sued. So they're, find someone, they're finding fun, someone to uh, replace them and step into their shoes. There's people who are also looking to cash out. So they, the main motivation to buy that property was to profit out before actually closing it and paying the land transfer tax and everything else. And then you've got certain, uh, certain people who, whose intentions have changed or their circumstances have changed such that they need to get out. So they find somebody to take over that contract. And in essence, uh, they're looking uh, to, to back out of that deal or step aside so that someone can fill their shoes. Now, when you're talking about assignment sales, then are there tips that we should be aware of that maybe are not obvious either to the buyer or to the seller? Absolutely. So when you're getting into somebody else's shoes, you want to make sure you know what the, where they've walked around in them. You want to know what the contract entails. You want to go through the terms and conditions very carefully. And so as a lawyer, one of the number one inquiries that come through my office is, can you review our contract? And most people, including us and his brokers and agents, will uh, make their offer conditional upon lawyer's review, which is critical. Because when you go out and, for example, buy a brand new property with a developer as a condo, for example, there's hundreds of pages worth of documents. And so before you agree to take over someone's contract, you need to know what you're signing up for. Otherwise, you could be setting yourself up for disaster. And if you're a purchaser and you're thinking about purchasing something now with the anticipation that you're going to assign it in the future, not close on it, but assign it prior to it closing, there are certain things that you have to watch for when you're initially purchasing that property from the builder itself, such as, you know, what is the assignment cost? Are you able to sign it? When are you able to sign it uh, and assign it? So maybe tell us a little bit, Ricky, about what we need to put into our original contracts with the builder in order to make the assignment that much easier. So what's really interesting, Asif, is that when you when you negotiate a contract with a realtor, they're usually using the uh, ORIA contracts, which are very balanced contracts between buyers and sellers. On the other hand, when you're drafting a contract or signing a contract rather drafted by a builder, most things in that contract benefit the builder. They're not designed to benefit a buyer in any way. And so it's critical. What we do from our law office perspective is that when a purchaser says, Ricky, I'm going to go out and buy a brand new property, we actually equip them with a three-page schedule, which is designed to deal with some of the nuances and intricacies 
that contract, which are designed to supersede those terms so that people can set up assignments and arrange those things and avoid the hidden costs that are usually associated with these sorts of arrangements. But what if you don't know going in when you purchase a condo from a builder, you don't know that you're going to sell it before uh, closing or before you actually have possession? What if it comes up along the way? Then what do you do? So, Tina, that's, that's, that's exactly what happens. Most people intend on closing the property. And so now, Asif knows better than anybody else, the way the market is right now, it's very tough with stress testing and lending requirements and everything else. And so you've got people that are just looking to walk away from the contract, even in some instances lose a little bit of money because they don't want to risk getting sued by the developer, which is key. And so when you structure the contract from the get-go, the one thing you do want to make sure is that assignments are permitted, more importantly, what are the costs associated with them so that when you, if, if and when you end up in that situation where you need to be able to get out, you have the opportunity to do so. So on that topic, as an example, you want to make sure that when the builder consents to it, they don't put red tape all over it. Most of these contracts say you can't put the contract, you can't put the listing on MLS. So if you can't market the property on MLS, how do you expose it? How do you get the right person to, to fill your shoes? So you're really looking through exclusive, exclusive channels at that point, which make it very difficult to, to try to advertise that property and actually get rid of it. I actually had a really funny situation about two weeks ago where a buyer told me that he wanted to add his wife to the agreement. The way the builder's contract was structured was that he had to pay $10,000 to add his wife so that she could qualify on the financing with him. So it gets really, really, really crazy. And these are things that need to be negotiated with the builder. So you can cap it. You can say, I will pay you $2,500 for an assignment. There's a lot of different ways that you can protect yourself as a buyer through the builder's contract and, and have those changes made by your lawyer to protect yourself. Yeah. And you have to really look at it because it's not just the assignment fee. There's the legal fees as well. Right. And so there's a handful of big law firms that deal with these sorts of contracts. I can't air them out on, on the air, obviously. But in essence, again, you do want to go back and make sure that the proper terms and conditions are there are in the contract so that if you need to do something, you can. The other thing is, Ricky, maybe you can help us out here, too, is there's that period called occupancy in between when the building is completed and when the building is registered for actual closing. During that occupancy, what do you look for and what are the intricacies there in, in assigning a condo or a house which has been purchased? Well, it doesn't really happen with houses unless it's a condo townhouse. What do you look for there during the occupancy period and are you able to assign it during that period? Great question. And at the end of the day, it all comes back to the contract. So most builders put into their agreement that you've got a time bar in the assignment. If you don't assign it within a certain number of months or weeks before the actual occupancy or final closing, they basically say you forfeit the right to do that. So time is key. Making sure that you, you know, structure your affairs so that you have financing in place and everything else is really important because if you end up with your back against the wall, you're going to end up in a really funny situation. CRA, how do they handle this? So... CRA, I mean, we, as taxpayers, it's a self-reporting system. So at the end of the day, it comes down to your intentions. And that's, that's a funny part because I might have intended on buying this property, closing it eventually, but then my circumstances have changed. And so the CRA looks at it from two perspectives predominantly. One, if you're buying it with the intention of flipping it, well, by definition, you may be considered a builder, at which point the assignment the way it has to be structured, you're going to end up paying HST on the deposit as well as the purchase price. So it's critical that you make sure that these things are very clear in the beginning because if you're doing it, and there are people that I represent that buy properties for the sole purposes of flipping and they have to understand the HST implications. Whereas if you're somebody in an unfortunate situation that needs out of a contract, well, then that's a different thing. Again, at the end of the day, if you get audited by the CRA, you have to be able to prove your case. And you pretty much have to have it rented out for a year. If you're 
taking over an assignment or purchasing an assignment, you pretty much have to have it. You have to be the final user of that property. So you're moving in or you're leasing it out for at least a year to get some sort of credit back. That's right. So there's normally up to $24,000 of, of, of credit that you're eligible for. There's two predominant programs. One is if you're going to own or occupy the property as a, and the key thing here is principal residence. You have to occupy the property as a principal residence to qualify for that. If you qualify for that, basically it's the credit on your statement of adjustments given to you by the builders. So you're coming up and you don't have to pay that up front because the builder deals with the CRA in that capacity. If the builder suspects that this is a flip or it's not something that's going to be principally occupied by you or an immediate family member as defined, in that situation, they would say, hey, you got to pay it up front. So that's another $24,000 you didn't account for. Now, under the other program with the rental rebates, it turns out that you have to have a one-year lease agreement. So that means that if you've Airbnb'd it during the short-term rental period or something like that, that might actually contradict your license with the builder, which will put you in a funny situation. Most people don't know, and they'll put the uh, property available on MLS to be rented, and your license doesn't permit you to do that. So you have to really make sure that you've structured the agreement or reviewed it carefully so that you don't end up you know, renting the property to somebody, now you're dealing with the Landlord-Tenancy Board, you're dealing with a vendor who wants vacant possession because you can't close, and it's going to cause a whole bunch of issues because it may be considered a resale by that time, and then you forfeited the deposit. Uh, not, not the deposit, the rebate, rather. It sounds like there are so many scenarios and options that you have to examine that how, how do you keep this all in check? Absolutely, Dina. So, I mean, you're buying a, a property, not a bag of cookies, and so it's critical. Most people, you know, they're happy to pay money on an inspection. They're happy to pay for the small things here and there, but you have to keep in mind that one of the most important things you can do is have the contract reviewed by an attorney. If you don't do that, then that's how you set yourself up for disaster, and you have to go through these scenarios with your attorney so that you have plan A, plan B, plan C, and you have that escape if you need it. Ricky, one last question. So I, I assign my condo to someone else and that person is unable to close on it. What happens then? Am I off the hook? Am I still on the hook? What happens in that situation so when we started out, we started talking about contracts by definition. So again, when you're entering into a contract, you're creating rights and obligations enforceable, enforceable in a court of law. What's generally accepted is that when you're assigning your agreement, you're assigning your rights to the contract, not your obligations, which means that if the new person who's taking over the contract and filling your shoes cannot close and uphold their end of the bargain, the builder may be able to sue you jointly and severally and come after both of you in full. Well, that was, uh, that was a, a great explanation of that, Ricky. Now, Thank you very much for joining us. If listeners have questions about assignments, how can they contact you? Absolutely. You can check us out at uh, rathorbeg.com or give our office a call at 905-554-7465 and we're happy to help. Awesome. Thank you so much. Anytime. When we come back, we get to your real estate questions and this week's hot listing. And just a reminder, if you missed any part of our show, go to 1059theregion.com and click on Schedule to find On the Market and a list of our other shows. You're listening to 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show on 105.9 The Region. I'm station manager Tina Cortez, and my co-host is Asif Khan with REMAX Prime Properties. Time now for our listener questions, and the first one comes from Sonia in Maple, and her focus is on the open house. Uh-oh, we've heard this one before. <laughs> Do you think an open house should be public or broker only or by appointment, and will this help to sell my home? Great question, Sonia. So the open house is 
it does help the broker open house especially because if you think about it you've already taken your realtor through your home and explained all the benefits and drawbacks that your home has we want to be able to explain that to other agents that are going to be coming in so that they're not walking in blind for the first time because if you have someone walking in for the first time and they don't know your house they're not going to be able to point out the little things that you've done to that home so they're out there just guessing we want to make sure that we can explain why your house is better than the others that are on the market. So the broker open house, definitely very important. You should always have that, you know, right when you're kicking off the listing. And each area has a certain day where broker opens are held. So you want to be able to hit those days. Otherwise, no one's going to show up because they're not used to going out at different times. Now, are you a fan of the public open house? I'm I'm not a fan of the public open house, but we do one, just one. Uh, so it's usually on a Sunday, Saturdays. There's not a lot of traffic for open houses. But on the first Sunday that you are on the market, you should probably do a public open house. And that you're going to get your nosy neighbors. You're going to get the people driving by that see the signs. How often is it that you're driving around and see an open house sign and say, hey, I think I'll buy a house today. So it doesn't really happen. But what it does is it creates awareness. Some people will promise you that they will do an open house every Saturday and Sunday until it's sold. Why is that wrong? It's wrong because as your house stays on the market, now those open houses are drawing negative attention. Now your neighbors and people that are driving by in the area, they're looking at this and saying, wow, that house is still for sale. Wow, that house is having another open house. And you don't want that. You want... You want to get traffic through your property. A lot of people are working with agents and they're going to call to make an appointment to get through that home. Even if they're not working with an agent, they're going to call the sign, make an appointment to come through that home. So you don't need an open house every day in order to create that traffic. Open houses are generally for us agents to get buyer clients and you know, showcase our listing skills to uh, prospective people that are out there. But you don't need an open house every day. Now, you talked about creating awareness, and that doesn't just come from the open house or the sign out on the lawn. It, it, it comes from social media these days, right? Yeah, and we're huge on social media. So I know, Tina, you've seen some of our social media uh, posts about mm-hmm. houses that we have coming up or houses that we have listed or even recent sales. And that draws a lot of people in. Face it, everyone's on Facebook these days. Everyone's on Instagram. That's where you want to, you, you want your real estate company or your real estate agent to be focusing on exposure through social media channels because everyone's on it. All right. Our next question comes from G in Markham. She wants to know how long will it take to sell her home and what can she do to speed up the process? That's a tough one. It really is because, again, it's a loaded question. How long will it take to sell your home really depends on the condition of your home and it depends on if you are priced properly for today's market. If you're going to be pricing it for 2016 prices or 2017 prices, your house is actually going to sit on the market a lot longer and it's going to help other people sell their home. Mm. People are going to be comparing your house to something that's priced properly and they're going to say, wow, I can get this for a better deal. A lot of people think they want to put in a a bit of play into their listing so that when people negotiate, they get down to their number. It's not going to happen. No one's going to put an offer if you're priced fifty dollars or $40,000 or $30,000 above where you should be. People aren't going to take the time to put an offer on your house and lowball and go back and forth for a couple of days. If you're priced right at market value, your house is going to sell quick. And and we've seen that just with a couple of our listings. We had one listing that was on sale for eight months wow. and it didn't sell. They had zero offers. 
we went in, we priced it properly, and we got over asking on the first day after reducing the price to where it should have been. Remarkable. Okay, Asif, if our listeners want to connect with you directly on all those social media platforms, how did they do that? On Instagram, I'm at Asif Khan Remax. On Facebook, they can find me at the same, Asif Khan Remax. And on Twitter, Remax All Star. All right. And just before we go, this week's hot listing or two, uh, joining us next is Heather Cooper from Remax Prime Properties. Heather, over to you. Thanks, Tina. Yes, we've got two great properties to talk about today. The first one is a commercial unit. It's right at the corner of Kipling and Highway 7. It's a great opportunity to get in. It's 600 square feet. You've got office space, a washroom, and a kitchenette. It's actually on the main level of a condo building. It's great for investment or even if you want to be the end user of it. There's different options. The only thing you can't do are any food uses. Other than that, there's great signage. It's a great location. And get this, it's listed at 234900 And That's Asif, what awesome. do you think of this property? That's a great property. And just think, if you're operating a business, how much exposure do you have at Kipling and Highway 7? That's a great place it's to be. It's a really busy area. And, and that's what you're looking for when you're purchasing a commercial condo. And you may even want to uh, you know, keep the existing tenant or lease it out to somebody else. But it's a great opportunity for a small business to operate in a very high traffic area. Okay. Heather, before we move on to the next listing, where can our listeners get more information about that one? They can contact Daniel Mazzaroni at 905-554-5522. All right. Our next hot listing... The next listing we have is some vacant land. You got about two acres of land located at Highway 404 and Stouffville Road. It's located at Five Province Court and listed for $1,799,000. What is the attraction these days or is there a draw for vacant land? There really is because if you think about what people are paying for teardowns, this way, you know, you save on the cost of having to tear it down. The, the drawback there is if you have an existing home, it's a lot easier to get financing for it. This one, it's a little bit trickier to get financing, but you know, our mortgage brokers will be able to work this out as well. The, the benefit of this is you get to build your own custom home and you put everything that you want in there. You know, for $250 or $300 a square foot, you're getting an, an absolutely amazing property and you're putting it on a two-acre lot. And what do you think about uh, where it's located? 404 and Stouffville Road? Great location, surrounded by a lot of really high-end houses. You've got a great community just around the Stouffville Road and 404 area, just uh, by Van Dorf Side Road. So you've got a lot of really well-established communities there, and you're going to be uh, joining in there with uh, a really nice home. Heather, one more time, the highlights of this property, and it's a vacant piece of land. Where can our listeners get more information? They can contact our office at 905-554-5522. Terrific. Thanks. You're welcome. Great show this week. It really was. Thanks, for everyone, for listening. Remember, if you need to connect with Asif Khan or if you missed any part of On the Market, go to our website, 1059theregion.com. Thanks for listening. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca.